Hey, um, we're going to get started. Uh, what is today? What's, what is special about today at 3.30? Super Bowl is happening today. Exactly. Uh, today at 3.30, we are going to watch the 49ers beat the Chiefs. Play the Chiefs. Half of you guys are like, I'm into this message. The other half of you guys are like, I don't care what he says now. <laughs> I'm out. Um, and, and the truth is a lot of us in here, we're like, it, it, we can't wait for 3.30. Or you're sitting in here and you're like, what's the big deal? Can I tell you guys, it's a big deal. Let me tell you about some interesting facts about the Super Bowl. Um, the first thing is uh, the Vince Lombardi trophy. I just found out. It is, it's made of silver and it has $50,000 worth of silver in it. And I would tell you right now, I would sell that thing in a minute. I could use 50,000. 50, Listen, every single player on the winning team is going to make one, an extra $157,000 in today's game. If you're on the losing team, you'll make 82,000. That's right, the NFL gives away participation trophies. And honestly, for $82,000, I'd play to lose. I'm okay. I'd be in. Put me in, coach. Uh, there'll be 72,000 fans inside the stadium. And each of those fans, on average, over the weekend, will spend $275 in food. For my family, that'd be two grand over the weekend in food. That's, that makes me feel like such a cheapskate because I would not do that. Average ticket price, $10,752. Okay, now I want you guys to, to understand the intensity of what I'm going to say. Today, 1.5 billion, with a B, billion chicken wings will be eaten. <laughs> 1.5. Now, we don't even know what that number means. So I went onto Google and AI, and I was like, like how, how many chicken wings are in a cubic foot? And they didn't know. But upon research, I found out that we do know how many chicken wings you can fit into a Cadillac Escalade. I'm not sure why, but the number is 138,815. That means you can fill up 10,805 Cadillac Escalades with the amount of chickens that will be eaten. I mean, chicken wings that will be eaten today. But that's still a number we don't really understand. So I reverse engineered that number. This is about how my message prep goes, you guys. <laughs> Rabbit trails. If you were to take this sanctuary and you were to fill it up from the ground all the way to the rafters, you could fill this sanctuary up 10 times with the amount of chicken wings that will be eaten today. This is chicken wing Armageddon, you guys. More chickens are harmed during Super Bowl than turkeys during Thanksgiving. 205 million pounds of avocados will be eaten today, and that's probably not enough. Listen, this is going to haunt you while you're at your Super Bowl party. The average person at a Super Bowl party will consume 880. I'm sorry, 8,083 calories. <laughs> the amount of diets that will be broken during the Super Bowl are all of them. <laughs> the average party will have 17 people at it, 14 of whom are just watching the commercials. <laughs> Listen to this. For 30 seconds of commercials, it will cost you $7 million this year. $233,000 per second. 
Today, the Super Bowl is the slowest weekend of the year for weddings. It's probably the highest weekend of the year for spousal abuse. <laughs> Get out of the way, I can't see. Uh, it is the largest of the weekend of the year for TV sales and the best day to go to Disneyland. I'm just kidding, no day is the best day to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Um, you know, Walt Disney would be turning in his grave if he knew that we were clapping for that. <laughs> hey, uh, also, um, we are, if you go to the grocery store and you ask the average person who will win, they will say the Patriots. They're not even playing. <laughs> but I hope the 49ers win. And if they don't win, I'm blaming Russia. And, and <laughs> we're allowed to do that now, just so you know. Um, you guys... The truth is, is that there is a frenzy that takes place over America, and it's called the Super Bowl. It changes everything. It affects everyone. It, 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 it consumes America. But every single day, there is something greater. There is a bigger Super Bowl going on inside the entire world. It's not played for, for rings or for a trophy or for wealth or for chicken wings. It's played for souls and salvation and the imperishable. It has a much greater implication. Jesus and his team is on one side, the enemy and his team are on the other, and the stakes are very high. In fact, even in the Bible, throughout the Bible, Paul refers to us or parallels us with that of an athlete. Let me read two of them right now. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. He's paralleling our lives to that of an athlete. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. And then again, he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he, just, he says this, he says, I have fought the good fight. He's talking about boxing. I have finished the course. He's talking about running. I have kept the faith. Padres baseball right there. The only team to make it into the, into the Bible. Listen, in, in, in our Super Bowl, the question is not, in our life Super Bowl, the question is not who's going to win. The question, we already know who's going to win. God, someone said the 49ers. <laughs> God is going to win. It's not a question about that. What, what the question is, how will you and I play inside of this game? And even more importantly, and the whole focus of what we're going to be talking about for the rest of this evening, is not just how will you play, it's how will you finish? You know, it said that the two hardest things in life are starting and finishing. But man, finishing is a lot harder, isn't it? It's hard to start something. Some things, it's just hard to get going and move through it. But it is insanely harder to finish strong and finish well. And in fact, starting doesn't really matter that much if we don't see things all the way through to completion. And if you go back to this, 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 the playoffs, this is actually, this playoff game is a little bit where I got the idea to, to move forward with this message. Two weeks ago, uh, there was the Lions versus the 49ers. And it was a very interesting game. It was a game that really does preach. They started this game and, and uh, we saw that in the first quarter it ended, the Lions were up 14 to zero. Sounds like one of those games where there's gonna be a spanking. 
By the, the halftime, it was 24 to seven. It was even further gap. The, the lions were pulling out a can of whoop butt over the 49ers and were tearing them apart. It's like one of those games that it just looks like it's going to just keep getting worse for the 49ers. Like one of those games where you should just give up now, just get the, day, get the game over with. You don't have that much more time. Just finish poorly and move on. Reminds me of uh, my brother. I've got a brother two years younger than me. His name's Bryce. And we would um, take trips up to Tahoe. And we were up in Tahoe with, with our friends, uh, snowboarding after a snowboarding, come home. And lots of times we play this game called Risk. Has anybody played Risk? Are, are any of you guys still playing your first game of Risk? It takes that long. <laughs> well, my brother Bryce, the second, I'm telling you, the second it starts going downhill for him, that, that he's like, oh, I'm, this game, I'm not going to be able to come back from this. He would stand up, grab the board, and throw it. Didn't you guys have one of those people in your life? Just throw the board. Sore loser. And it's funny because I was talking to him yesterday over the phone, and uh, he lives in tennis, Nashville. And I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to tell that story, you know, of how you used to do that. And, and, and uh, you were a poor, sore loser. Poor, you finished poorly, Bryce. And, and he's like, I, didn't, I wasn't finishing poorly. I was being an example to you guys of Jesus Christ when he went to Jerusalem and, and, and went to the temple. He's like, you're lucky I didn't pull my belt out and start whipping you, yelling out, this is, yelling out, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. <laughs> and then he said, don't judge me, Neil, because you did the same with Monopoly. <laughs> Listen. So we're at this game, and, and it's one of those games where you just want to give up. You want to throw a Bryce. You want to just finish poorly. And, and they're playing this game. But here's the deal about coaches. Coaches drill in to their players. I mean, drill it in that no matter what, you finish strong. Is that true? Doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter if you're up or if you're down. You play to the end. You finish strong. You give it everything that you can. And so that's exactly what we saw. We saw it from 24 to 7. By the end of the third quarter, the 49ers were finishing strong and they tied it all the way up. And then by the end of the game, as we all know, they won and they went to the Super Bowl because they finished strong. And it was interesting, one of the interviews on one of the guys, George Kittle, the, I'm going to show you it in a second. He claims it. Before they're even done with halftime, he's already saying, man, I'd hate to be the Lions second half because we're going to come. Do you guys want to see what he says? This is neat. Let's show it. Did you say something good up there? Uh, I said it has in the first half, not going to lie. That has in the first half, not going to lie. But, and here we are now. I called that. I called that in the second quarter. I said, I can't wait at the end of the game. I'm going to be able to say this to the entire world. Called it. And then we did it. I can't wait at the end of the game. I'm going to say, hey, they had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait till after the game and I get to say, you know what? They had us in the first half. Keep singing it. Have fun. Encourage you guys. Right? You're the guy. Speak that into existence. Okay. You can't speak that into existence, but... The point of what he said rings so true. There they were totally with the odds against them, but he's like, we're still finishing strong and we're gonna take this to the very end. That's a little bit how, how we get to feel like, because we know how the end is going to come. God is going to win and we can finish strong with him. You know, and, and here's the other, other fact about this game is that it doesn't so much matter how you start out. 
as long as you finish well. Do you guys hear that? Some of us, we didn't get to start out very strong. Some of us had lots of things against us before we were even born. There was lots of things that kept us down, that, that pulled us away. We, we didn't even come to the Lord later in life. Whatever it is, you may not have finished strong, but the point is this, is that you don't have to start strong to finish well. You can start pretty bad and finish well. I want to read Acts 20 verse 24. This is Paul. This is when people are telling Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. He says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Did Paul finish strong? Yeah, he finished strong. His entire time, he finished strong. He finished well. But did Paul start strong? No. What was Paul's name before it was Paul? Saul, Saul exactly. And Saul was a bad mamba-jamba. The Bible says that Saul would breathe threats of murder against those that followed Jesus. He was a murderer of Christians. He was going out, rounding him up, throwing him in the paddy wagon and bringing him to be tortured. In fact, we know the first martyr in the Bible is Stephen. <clears throat> Stephen and... <laughs> Stephen and... Uh, <laughs> and... And it says that he was there at the stoning, most likely taking place in that exact stoning. He started off bad, but he never took his eyes off the prize. He never took his eyes off the end zone. He focused and he finished strong. He was in the end zone living. You know, when we look across America, we see a lot of people that finish poorly. 80% of New Year's resolutions are gonna fail, not gonna make it through. 40% of, of college freshmen are gonna drop out before they graduate. We have a problem in America of, of people giving up and quitting. You could have the best intentions in life, but if you don't follow through, and the, the most important part is that you follow through to the very end and end strong. Intentions do not make you end strong. Think about, think about the day that, that a couple gets married. And they have just the, the, the best intentions for their marriage. We're just going to love each other and skip down the beach holding hands every night. You remember, and, and we're, we're just never going to get mad, and we're never going to have a fight. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and we see that, that the truth is that 50% of first marriages end in divorce. Think about as a parent, you're looking at your baby for the first time, you're, you're staring into his eyes and, and you're like, everything's gonna change. I'm gonna sacrifice everything for you. We are gonna be, I'm gonna be the best dad. We're gonna be the best friends. We're never gonna talk back to each other. <laughs> they, do you understand what I'm saying? That's not always, you can have the best intention. It's not always the case. Think about camps and future quests. Future quests. We have kids filled up in this room, hands raised, tears coming down from their face, moved in the presence of God with the best intentions for the rest of their life. Yet you come back five years later and you see these kids and many have not followed through. They've not finished strong. Think about businesses, people that start businesses and they, they tell God, God, we're going to do this with you. 
You're going to be a partner in this business. I don't want to do this alone. I, I feel like you're leading me, so let's do this together. We're partners. And you, and you start it, and, and you don't make any big decisions before talking to him. And you tell him he's your best salesman, and, and you're, you're having a prayer meetings at your workplace, but then you start having a little bit more success, and you stop looking to him as a business partner. You guys understand, the best intentions in life will not take you to finish strong. It's good to start strong but it's better to finish strong. Think about my son, my son Josiah, when he was uh, three years old. He's like this small, chubby, husky voiced kid. And all my kids talked really well. And at three years old, he's staring off into the distance. And he says, mom, if, if, if a bad guy came into our house, do I have your permission to take his life? And my wife's like aghast. Neil, what are you showing this kid? And I'm like, he's a warrior, babe. He's got a tenacious spirit. He's going to move the kingdom of God. Yes, son, you can. And it's like, no, you cannot. And, and, and then about six months, a little less than six months later, he's staring off into space. And he goes, yep, as if it was already decided. Yep. Three years old. I could take a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Heather's like, no, you cannot. And I'm like, he's King David. Heather, he's got the spirit of King David. (laughs) And like, like a year later, he's looking at the wall and he's like, I wish I were a gecko. (laughs) And I'm like, no, where is the tenacity? You started off so strong. In life, it matters the most how you finish. Many people enter the Christian life with a load of enthusiasm. They enter it with so much dreams and visions, but far fewer end that same way. Some do. Look, I want to I brag on Mark and Dave. Man, those guys, they never took their eyes off the end zone. They kept the course. I remember um, growing up, my dad, God gave my, my dad just this heart for the broken, the downtrodden. And I remember all through life, um, growing up at our house, we'd always have people living in our house for times. Sometimes it was young people, high school age, that their families were a disaster. Their life was a disaster. But my dad's heart broke and he would pull them into our house and they would live with us as he would mentor them and help them. And, and so often these kids would do good and then later on do not that great, but he would keep doing it. He would not falter the course. He would finish well. And sometimes it was college students, the same thing. One time it was an entire family. An entire family moved into our house so he could just help them get back on their feet. He would finish to the end. When, when Mark and Dave started this church, they had nothing. Guys, we were so poor. I didn't know we were poor because I was a little kid. But, but looking back, I remember them starting this church was just sacrifice after sacrifice with their eyes on the end zone, what God had called them to do, not taking their eyes off. I, I know that we would drink powdered milk. We'd have sandwiches, be mayonnaise, cheese. That's it. And, and I didn't even know we were poor, but the sacrifices that they made all throughout life, they never took their eyes off the prize, even today at like 197 years old. (laughs) Both of them are following the Lord's call, period, end of story, no questions asked. 
I want to be like that. That's how I want to finish. Think of guys like Charles Simpson. Think about, think about even people that aren't the titans of the faith. People like Mark and Dave. You know what? We got a lady, I want to brag on her right now, Wendy Preventure. Wendy Preventure, she, she retires from her corporate job at, uh, at the mall over here. And the next day, she's pounding down the door of our church saying, hey, I am available. Use me. There's still more in me to be done. I think about Don Denniston and, and how he, he was in the construction industry. And now where you find him so often is at some uh, single mother's house fixing things because there's still more in him to be done. How will you end? Most people start off with good intentions, but what separates us what separates those who finish well from those who stall out along the way so often are priorities. Priorities that are more on earthly things than they are on spiritual things. Priorities that are more off the field than they are on the field. You know, America has a priority problem and the American church does too. I read a book uh, by Kyle Eidelman called Not a Fan. This is what he says. He, and, I, and I like this and this is true. What, what Christians do is we say, God is, is at the top of my, my list. He is my, he is my number one. But so is golf, and so is vacation, and so is every episode of Desperate Housewives, and so is, do you understand what I'm saying? And often, it, if you were to really examine your life, you don't have a top priority. You have four, you have, you have four fourth places. That's really what, what comes down in this game. And, and, um, and I'm gonna say something right now and, and, and it might ruffle some feathers in here, okay? But don't get mad at me until after this whole section, okay? And again, my email is davehoffman at foothillschurch.org if you wanna email me. I just wanna explore this. We're talking about priorities and I wanna explain what I mean. The college students will stay up till 3 a.m. writing papers. I did it. So that one person could speed read it, but they can't find 30 minutes to wake up earlier and spend time with God. That's a priority problem, isn't it? Parents will drive their kids all over the state and all over the country playing soccer and whatever, travel ball and all of these different things, but can't find time to get their kids to youth group. Do you understand that this, there's this thing going on? People will spend one, five, 20 hours a week on social media, but can't find 15 minutes in their day to read the Bible. These are priority problems, aren't they? You know, and when you, when you think of these things in the light of eternity, that type of living does seem insane. But I want to tell you what my dad says, and, and, and this is so true. My dad says this. He says, when you're surrounded by insane people, are we surrounded in a world of insane people? When you're surrounded by insane people living in an insane culture, then doing the insane thing seems normal. Because we look around and we see the example of everyone else and we see the breakdown of culture and we see the busyness of our own life and all of those things work to break down and degrade our faithfulness to God. You know, the truth is that most people that find themselves in these type of situations, they didn't even know that their priorities changed. They just got distracted. 
just distracted by the lesser things. And that is exactly where the enemy wants to keep us distracted. Because if he can keep us distracted, we can't finish strong. You know, you cannot finish strong on accident, right? You cannot get your ball multiple times in the end zone on accident. It has to be attacked. It has to have intentional pursuit drawn into it. And when you're distracted, you're not attacking it. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says this. Let your eyes look directly ahead. And I like this. Let's go back real quick. When, when today, when we watch the Super Bowl, 72,000 people are gonna be in the stands, but all the guys that are gonna be on the field won't notice them because they have one place that they're looking, directly ahead. Move the ball to that end zone. Let your eyes Look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Listen, finishing well is not for the faint of heart. Finishing well are not for those people that when the going gets tough, they quit. Finishing well are for the people that are gonna attack that end zone. I can't tell you how today's gonna end with the Super Bowl, but I can tell you there will be two teams that are gonna finish strong. They are gonna give everything they have. What are you gonna give in this Super Bowl, our Super Bowl? How can we keep our priorities pure and right? I'm gonna finish this message. The, the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews gives us three things we must do. There's three ways that if you follow these three things that, that will help you finish strong. Now remember, we're not just talking about finish strong to the end of life. I'm talking about finishing strong in every area that God has placed in front of you. Let's read that. We're gonna find three things. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. The first one right here, it says, take care. Say, take care. This is the first thing we're gonna talk about. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another. Say, encourage one another. It's the second thing we're gonna look at. Day after day, as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast. Say, hold fast. At the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. So that first thing it says is it says, take care. Why do we need to take care? We need to take care lest we fall away. You guys know that the world is an enticing, seductive place, isn't it? It tries to pull us in at every area. It deceives us. It moves us off our path. It tries to take the joy out of us. My, my, my dad always says, you know, we leak, meaning the spirit of God. Dave says the world sucks the Jesus out of us. It's part of, of, of what the world does. It's enticing. Jesus says, take care. Maintain your spiritual walk. Everything in our life necessitates maintenance. Isn't that true? If you don't maintain your car, you are gonna break down somewhere on the road and have to call a tow truck, right? And probably it's gonna cost a lot more money than if you had maintained it. If you have a boat and you break down out in the ocean in your boat, you die. I don't know what happens. You just die. Hopefully you find an island. I don't know. Your house takes maintenance. In fact, we just had this huge storm that came in. I wonder how many of us were out in the pouring rain 
trying to divert flood water that has pulled up against our house or whatever. We are maintaining it or fixing a leak. I have a leak in my roof now. And it just takes maintenance. All of life does. Why would we ever think that our spiritual life doesn't need maintenance? Doesn't need for us to maintain and continue feeding ourselves from the truth of God's word. You know, you maintain, you don't need to do maintenance you find out the promises that God has for you, the commandments, and then you live by those things. Every one of us knows that the closer we are to God, it's the closer we are to the best life that we can have. Maintain your spiritual walk. Take care. Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Take care of your heart with all diligence. Maintain your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. You want the springs of life flowing out of your life? Maintain your spiritual walk. You want to finish strong? Maintain, take care of your spiritual walk. First one, take care. The second one we're going to look at is, it's found in the very next verse, Hebrews 3.13. We already said it was encourage one another. Take care, encourage one another. It says, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know, the thing about encouragement is encouragement brings strength to us. You guys know that? When you encourage someone, you give them strength. All throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about being a person of encouragement and it talks about be around people that are encouragers. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says this. It says, now we who are strong ought to bear the witness of those without strength and not just to please ourselves for each of us is to please his neighbor for his own good, to his edification, to his encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, this is one of my favorite verses on encouragement, on encouraging each other. It says this, therefore, encourage one another and build up. Say build up. That's an important part of this. And build up one another just as you also are doing. When you build something, you create something. If I want to build a deck, I create a deck. But when I build something up, I add strength to its structure so that it can withstand the storms, so that it can withstand the shaking and the beatdown of whatever the structure is. That's exactly what we do to people around us. When we encourage them, we add strength to them for when the, so that when the storms come, they don't give up. Every single one of us are gonna come through hard times in our life where we feel like giving up and finishing poorly, but then that word of encouragement comes from someone and all of a sudden we're like, yes, I can go further because encouragement gives strength to people. And I will also say this, just as encouragement gives strength, the Bible says that we will reap what we what? What we sow, meaning what you give, you will receive. You want encouragement in your life? Be an encourager you will in turn be encouraged by other people. It's how it works. I talked to this lady uh, a couple days ago and she was just overwhelmed by just the problems that were going on in life, the, the things that were going on. And I told her, stop listening to those people that are discouraging you. Some people just complain, is that true? It's like, that's what they have. They just, and, and it's just word vomiting on other people. I was like, you know what? Tell, ask them this. Say, wait, wait, before you start talking, do you wanna be encouraged? Or do you just want to complain? If they're just complainers, just say, not today. I'm not available today. I'm available to help you, to, but I'm not available to just let you discourage all this stuff. 
Encouragement means to impart courage. When we encourage someone, we give them courage. We place courage within them. That's how you finish strong. You be an encourager and you surround yourself with other encouragers. Number one, you take care. Number two, you encourage one another. And number three, and this one, (laughs) this is my favorite, you guys. Hold fast. It says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance uh, firm until the end. We hold fast. In order to hold fast, you have to understand who you take part in. Who do you take part in? Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. Any of them. Okay, Jesus, God, Bible, right? The answer to everything. Who do you take part in? You take part in Jesus and all that he has to offer and all that he wants to do and all of his surplus. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply you all your needs according to his riches in the glory in Christ Jesus. All of his riches are out for us. Do you realize that? We can hold fast in any situation because we know that God's supernatural help is on the way. 2 Corinthians 9.18 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, that you may have an abundance for every good deed. That is, listen, we get to hold fast because we know help is on the way. We have to remember that God is our supplier. That when, when God calls us to do something, he's already put the do inside of it. We may not see it, but you will. It might be terrifying coming up to different points in our life, but when you get there, you will see God's surplus come through. Remember, God is still on the case. Can I tell you something cool? You're not raising your kids alone. God's on the case. You're, yeah. Listen, there's someone else that cares about the success of your marriage that's not you. It's God, and he's on the case. He will help you finish strong. Look, you may look around and be totally discouraged. Discouragement is a normal part of human life. It's what happens. We get discouraged at different things. We have setbacks that that wanna cause us to step back and sit down and stop the course. We look around America and how many of you guys are discouraged? I wanna tell you something. We have a supernatural God that is not done with America yet either. He's looking for people that will hold fast and finish out his callings well. I want to tell a story real quick. Let's go ahead and have the band come out right now, the worship team. I want to tell a story about one of my good friends, Luke Gibson. Luke had just bought a property. Talking about holding fast. And and it was just, I mean, honestly, buying this property was so hard, it put gray hair in his life. Not as much as mine, but some, okay? And, and he's out there, and, and it's so far off the beaten path that he can't get water, so he has to dig a well. And he's really, really looking for God's approval on this thing. This Buying his property was just so rough. So he's looking for God's approval and, 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 he, and the, the idea that him and his wife have, they need 20 gallons of water per minute. They've got this whole thing going on. Orchard, and they're gonna build this beautiful house. And, 
And so he's really looking for God's approval and, and he dig, starts digging down. The driller digs down to 500 feet and they only get five gallons a minute. That is not enough. That is not enough for what they have planned here. So he says, okay, go to 700. He's just hoping, come on, God, show yourself. And he gets to 700 feet and there's seven gallons a minute. So he says, oh my goodness, this is so expensive. Okay, go to 1,000. He goes to 1,000. He gets a call, hey, we're still at seven gallons a minute. And he's just, de just despondent. He just, his spirit is low. He doesn't have a lot of hope in this thing. He just really just feels like the, the, all of the air is out of his sails and he's just downtrodden. They could make it work with seven, but, that's, but it's not gonna work well and it's not gonna work right. And he says to the guy, okay, hold off, give me two days, I wanna pray. He's already 1,000 feet. He's into this thing, $30,000. He's got, what's he gonna do? Pull up and go move to a different area of his property? He might be $30,000 in it again and still only get seven gallons a minute. So he prays and he just, he gets all of his friends to pray, all of his people to pray and, and they're searching out for God's answer and he feels the spirit tell him, just go further. And so he's okay, I'm gonna go further on this hole. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna talk to the driller and I'm gonna ask him, I'm gonna ask my dad who's done a lot of these wells, how often have you seen water pass a thousand feet? And he says, he hears the spirit of the Lord say, ah, 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 don't rationalize this, I said go further. <sighs> okay, so he tells the driller, the driller's like, how far do you want me to go? And he's like, I don't know, just go further. Just get more, I don't know, go further. He's holding fast to what the Lord told him. And the guy starts drilling further. He's at 1,000 feet. He gets to 1,010 feet. And all of a sudden, more water starts coming. And then he gets to 1,020 feet. 20 feet from where he almost gave up. And I, let's just watch the video instead of me tell you the story. There we are right there. Listen to this. He was at seven. He was looking for 20. God gave him 200 gallons per minute. So much water that he could start a water company. Listen to me. 20 feet away from where he wanted to give up, there was an unending abundance of water. What if 20 feet from where you are there's an unending abundance of God's grace and help and mercy. 20 feet from where you wanna give up is an unending amount of God's supernatural help. It's just right around the corner. Many people would have given up and lived with seven gallons a minute. They just would have done it. They would have finished poorly. God wants us to finish strong and hold fast. Let's stand up right now.